Hello and welcome to the Dive Deep, Climb High podcast. I'm Mel Luizu and together with my guests, we explore all different aspects of leadership in higher education. With inspiring stories, practical tips and a little bit of fishiness, this show will help you dive deep into the leader you are and climb high, unleashing your power and potential. Dive deep, climb high, can-do leadership in a world of can't. Hello and welcome back if you're a regular listener to the show. A very warm welcome if you're a first-time listener. This podcast has been created to help leaders in higher education. My aim is to create a community of listeners who can learn and grow together. To do this, I need your help. The more people that download, subscribe, rate and review this show, the more the podcast algorithms will ensure it pops up across the globe. I love the community we have created so far and together with your help, we can encourage even more people to join us. Hello and welcome to episode 17 of the Dive Deep Climb High podcast. This week, I'm going to be taking a look back at episodes 14, 15 and 16, the first three of season two. And what a wonderful start it has been. My thanks to all three guests, Simon Horniblow, Managing Director of Campus Life and my guest in episode 14, entitled People Buy From People, Paul Crick, founder of the Elevate Partnership, and my guest from episode 15, Regulate Your Nervous System. And finally, Shanann Bonser, my guest from episode 16, Let Your Heart and Head Rule. As with every episode I've recorded for this podcast, I've learned something different, whether that be a fact I wasn't aware of, something about my guest I didn't previously know, or our conversation leads us down a path that causes me to reflect on my own actions and behaviours. I've always been curious and hosting this podcast allows me to feed that curiosity in a way I could never have imagined. I always have a long list of books I need to read and it seems that that list is getting exponentially longer as every week passes. I've known Simon Horniblow, my first guest, for many years, almost from the start when he and his business partner, Ollie Harrison, founded Campus Life 14 years ago. It's been wonderful to witness their journey over that time. And what struck me back when I first met them still holds true today. And it's what genuinely nice people they are. When I first met them, Their product of Student Cooking TV was really innovative, but it was also clear that it wasn't finely tuned. It was, in some ways, in that development phase. Therefore, in my mind, there is no doubt that if they hadn't have been as lovely as they were, we would never have considered buying their product because it was just so new. However, because they seemed so passionate and genuine and we bought in to what they were saying, we were willing to give them a chance. 
we bought into student cooking TV as much as we bought in to them. And I'm so glad that we did because exactly as Simon's hero, his dad says, people buy from people. I remember being told that very early on in my career. At the time, my mum was working for the people who organised the Ideal Home Exhibition. Having just finished my degree at the start of the early 90s, when there were very few jobs around, I was willing to pretty much do anything. And my lovely mum arranged for me to have a chat with their sales manager. She was a superb salesperson and she told me the exact same thing. People buy from people. And that phrase has stuck with me ever since. And it's true. I've never bought from somebody I didn't like. Because as the phrase goes, you buy from people you like and you like people you trust. So why on earth would you buy from somebody you didn't like? Nowadays, we talk about being authentic and some people have a real aversion to this word. But doesn't it mean the same thing? Be nice, be kind, be genuine, be yourself. At work, be the same person as you are with your friends and family. So many times I've seen people come to work and leave their humanity behind. I have no idea why, because people really do buy from people. So if you're sat there thinking that as a leader you need to rock up and don a persona that you think people want to see, please don't. Stand in your own power and be proud of who you are. Know that you're enough. As human beings, we're all beautifully flawed. So better you let the team around you see you for the person you are, not who you think they want to see. Apart from anything, trying to be something you're not is exhausting. You're wasting energy that you could put to much better use. Chatting with Simon, we also touched on his and Ollie's passion for creating opportunities for people at the start of their careers. As he said, given that their company is all about engaging students, it's no surprise that a large chunk of their workforce is under 25. But it also brings home the importance of ensuring we create as diverse teams as we possibly can. Both Joe Bloxham, my guest from season one, episode three, and Limbert Spencer, season one, episode five, talk in very different contexts about the benefits of having a diverse team. And again, chatting to Simon, he does the same. Diverse teams, achieve more than others. Working within higher education, it's crucial we remain connected to the audience we serve. We also need to recognise that no matter what we may tell ourselves, the older we get, the more challenging this is to do. I absolutely love facilitating sessions with student teams. 
Just last week, I was running a team building workshop for students who will be providing additional temporary support over the summer. And one of the participants said, well, that was mid. Having no clue what they meant, I had to ask for clarification. Apparently, it means bad, not very good. So as my kids will often like to tell me, my choice of clothes is mid. What's the point I'm trying to make here? Well, I guess there are several. The first is that having a diverse team is a brilliant idea. Diversity comes in all shapes and sizes. And when I was chatting with Simon, we were talking specifically in the context of age and experience. This is especially important for those of us working in higher education. As Simon observes, despite having an almost captive audience in terms of a candidate pool, universities do not tend to be very good at recruiting young talent. As someone who's worked in the sector for over 25 years, I can vouch for just how great a career choice it can be. And yet, do we shout about these opportunities? No, we don't. We host career fairs for other employers to pitch their job opportunities to our students. But do we do the same? Not often. What I'm also trying to say with my mid-story is that as leaders, we don't need to have all the answers. But we do need to have the strength of character to be willing to acknowledge when we don't know something. I've met so many people who find this incredibly challenging to do, seeing it as a weakness and not as a strength. The world is changing so quickly. We cannot hope to keep up, which is yet another reason for ensuring our team is as diverse as possible. If you don't know the answer, you can pretty much guarantee there will be someone in your team who does. All you have to do is ask. Asking questions is how Paul Crick, my guest from episode 15, found himself diving deep into the world that is our nervous system. As a keyboard player, Paul often felt like he was playing with boxing gloves on when he was asked to perform on stage. During his psychotherapy studies, he was keen to explore this further and understand how he could overcome his anxiety. And so began some pretty deep research into our body's nervous system and how we deal with stress. It was a truly fascinating conversation and we only scratched the surface of this very complex subject. Paul suggested a number of good books you may want to read if you would like to dive deeper. I will put them all in the show notes again. Listening back to our conversation, it's clear Paul believes as leaders we need to understand the science of what happens when we interact with others. As he says, we're basically a collective of biochemical chain reactions, which is a really thought-provoking statement. But what does it mean? Well, for me, it's about understanding the power of our bodies and what happens to us at an energetic level. Shanam Bonsa, my guest from episode 16, shares similar views to Paul. 
When I started this podcast, I said I would share insights and learning from my own development journey and also introduce concepts and ideology you can try on for size and see how they work for you. Leadership is not a one-size-fits-all and you have to find what works for you. Paul, Shanann and I all share a common theme to our stories. We were people that spent a lot of time inside our own heads and yet through our own development journeys, we've come to understand the wisdom we hold within our bodies. For me, this first began when I started my deep dive into neuro-linguistic programming, NLP. However, I have become much more aware of it in the past few years as I've trained in creative kinesiology with Shanann. I have also witnessed the power of this approach when working with my clients one-to-one and the results are incredible. And unsurprisingly, this isn't actually very difficult to do. It can be as simple as focusing in on your breathing. One of Paul's many suggestions about how we can regulate our nervous system. Or, as Shanann suggests, gently rubbing your belly in a clockwise direction. Have you ever noticed how shallow your breathing can become when you're angry, stressed or annoyed? Just taking some deep breaths in through the nose and out through the mouth can really help to dissipate those feelings. There are so many different ways for you to connect with your body. You need to find what works best for you. For me, what works best is yoga, walking out in nature, and my latest love, open water swimming. Like everyone, I've tried the latest exercise trends, bought gym memberships that soon gathered dust, and even done couch to 5K a couple of times. But none of these lasted. Of course, these bouts of exercise were usually tied in with my desire to get fitter and lose weight. But I didn't stick with them because I didn't really enjoy them. Now, I don't bother because I understand that it is far better to do what you love and do it regularly and consistently. And so for me, I do yoga. I walk out in nature as much as I can and I get into the open water whenever I have the opportunity. Because I've realised that not only do these activities help my fitness, they feed my soul. I get connected with my body. When do you find that you get a sense of real calm and well-being? When you feel like all is well with the world? It's those activities that you should be doing more of because those activities take you out of your head and into your body and feed your soul. Paul also suggests that a cold shower may help. There's been a lot written recently about cold water therapy and guess what? I'm a great believer in it. I've been taking cold showers for the past couple of years, summer and winter, and again, they really help me. I come out when it's really cold with bright red skin, almost like I've been sitting in the sun with no sun cream on. 
But despite my red skin, I feel so calm and well. It really helps me focus. Now, one of the great gurus of this work is Wim Hof. And I've just finished reading his book, The Wim Hof Method. I'll put the link in the show notes. If you're interested to see if there is any research out there that validates the benefit of this therapy, you will love this book. It blew my mind because cold water therapy can change your physiology. It can, as Paul suggests we do, regulate our nervous system. Together with Shanann, we also explored the concept of grounding, another great technique for getting us out of our heads. She describes grounding as what it feels like to inhabit all of her body at the same time. She also suggests that one of the best ways for us to ground ourselves and get into our bodies is to get outside and if possible allow our feet to connect with the ground beneath us. So ideally we need to be barefoot. Now recognizing that this may not always be possible, Shanann suggests we imagine it because our minds are phenomenal bits of kit. But did you know they cannot differentiate between what is real and what is imagined, which is why visualization is such a powerful technique. So my challenge for you, next time you're at work and you're struggling with a problem, take a few moments out, put your feet on the floor and start to breathe deeply. Imagine yourself walking barefoot in a lush green garden or along a beautiful beach with the sand beneath your toes or in a beautiful meadow surrounded by wonderful birdsong. It's such a quick and powerful technique that will help you come out of your head and into your body. I promise once you have done that, whatever it was you were grappling with will no longer feel so difficult. Don't believe me? Why not just give it a go? I'm going to finish today with a quote that is often attributed to one of my great heroes, Albert Einstein. And it's his definition of insanity. Insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. My challenge to you is not to become an insane leader, but try something different. All three of my guests have encouraged you to try something different, whether that be to create a diverse team, understand how you interact with others on a biochemical level, or inhabit all of your body at the same time. So which one of these will you try? Perhaps you will dive deep into all three and see which one enables you to climb high. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Dive Deep, Climb High podcast with me, Mel Luizu. To help build our community of leadership listeners, please leave me an Apple podcast five-star review. Remember, our fishy adventure doesn't have to end here. 
Connect with me on LinkedIn, Instagram and Twitter. Links are in the show notes. Dive deep, climb high, can-do leadership in a world of can't.